Welcome to the Uncommon Church Podcast. Today, you'll hear a message from our pastor, Brad Carrington. We hope that it helps you to know God, grow strong in your faith, and do all that he has called you to do. Um, it's funny when you're in you know, Bible school and you're learning from other pastors, um, they always tell you, like, don't ever read your Bible to just preach a message. Like, just read your Bible because you are a Christian, not because you're a pastor, and because you need to read your Bible because you need to eat your daily bread. Um, kind of like put your mask on before helping others. Because some pastors, they only read the Bible just because they, they read the Bible once a week, just because they want to preach a sermon. So I, I, I try to be disciplined and stay in the Word. And in this week, in my New Testament portion, I was in 2 Corinthians, and all of you Bible scholars know that goes right into Galatians and Ephesians. You all knew that, right? Good. Okay, I like that. Even if you were lying in church, that was great. Um, so somehow it happened in 2 Corinthians that all these verses, and then it was repeated in a whole different flavor and vein in Galatians about the Holy Spirit. And they were just jumping off the page to me and setting in my heart. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to preach on this. This is, just, this is for me. This is just going to change my life. But then as I finally got to put the word together, I'm like, no, crud, I have to do this. I have to talk about Holy Spirit today because I, I, it made me wonder if the American church walks with the Holy Spirit the way that the Apostle Paul was teaching us to walk in the Holy Spirit. And I, I, think, I think we walk in the vicinity of the Spirit. I don't think we walk in step with the Spirit. Does that make sense? So let me give you just a little bit of background if you're kind of new to church stuff. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, 2,000 years ago, was a follower of Jesus. He was a rabbi, and he took the gospel, which was Jewish, to the Gentile world. He took it to the Greeks and the Romans um, so that eventually it would reach you and I. So he wrote letters, in these three letters, to the church in Corinth, uh, the church in Galatia, and the church in Ephesus. These are to Gentile churches. So Gentile Christians in Jesus, just like you and I. And in, in some of the letters, uh, he was fixing theology. Some, some of them had okay theology, and he was just kind of fixing a little bit. Some of them had terrible theology, and he was like, no, you have to just scratch that and start over because your theology is bad. Um, in, in all the cases we learn, especially in the Corinthians and the Galatians, the churches had a real love and respect for the Jewish culture, for the Old Testament, um, because the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was being written by Paul, but they, they understood that Judaism was the foundation of their faith. And in the letter to the Galatians, he actually had to fix a few things because they had been given some bad teaching, and they thought that they had to keep all the Jewish laws as Gentiles in order to, to find freedom and faith in God. And Paul's like, listen, you're never going to find freedom as a Gentile trying to keep up with the Jewish law. So we have to change all that. Your, your, your freedom in Christ does not come through keeping all of the Jewish laws. But to the Corinthian church, he was more so fixing and tweaking things a little bit. So let's pick up the story. We're going to read, I don't know, a fair amount of Scripture today, but I know how much you love the Word of God, so I know you'll be excited for that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 as you show that you are a letter from Christ that has been delivered to us, you have not been written with ink, but you were written, and here we go, with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of our human hearts. Now just leave that verse there and kind of put your finger there. Let's talk about that for a minute. What he's, what he's trying to say is the spirit of the living God will write the kingdom on our hearts. And he, and it's going to continue, it'll make more sense in a minute, he's comparing with the written Jewish law. And he said, but you have to understand, 
as amazing as the Jewish law has been and is, what the Holy Spirit writes on our hearts is greater than the written word. It's greater than the Jewish law. Now, you have to understand, this is a major statement from a really Jewish guy. The Apostle Paul was like a super Jew that was raised to be a rabbi. That wasn't anti-Semitic. Some of you were like, that felt weird. No. He says it himself. He said, I, I, I trained under Rabbi Gamaliel, who was the Tom Brady of rabbis. Like, I was raised to be the, the most Jewish guy ever. So for him to say to the Gentile church, as good as the written law for the Jews was, what the Holy Spirit is writing on your hearts is even better. And this is, I think a lot of times the church puts a lot of emphasis on preaching and less on what the Holy Spirit is saying prophetically. And we should hold the Old Testament and the law in high regard, but what Paul's saying is, I need you to have open hearts, hungry hearts, tablets of, on your heart that the Lord can write on. Hold that in the highest regard. He's teaching this to the, the Gentiles. He said, I want your hearts to be open. I want the Holy Spirit to write on your hearts every time. I don't want you to just go to church. I want you to every time bring your heart to the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, write on my heart. Transform my life. Because what the Holy Spirit is writing is superior to the written law. Doesn't that sound offensive to hear that? That what the Holy Spirit is revealing and writing on your heart is superior to what was written 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Now, side note, when we see a lot of people get right with God here, we see a lot of people surrender to sin, make Jesus the Lord of their life, sometimes for the first time, sometimes for the first time in a long time, and they're really and they're hungry for God. And when they come here, I find that new Christians, man, they rip their heart open, and they're like, Holy Spirit, man, right on my heart. I just want to learn. Transform me, God. Speak to my heart. I'm wide open to you. And I love seeing that as a pastor, just a blank canvas. And just every time they come to worship, every time they come to pray, every time they come and hear a sermon, they're just like, God, just right on my heart. What's weird is, I want you to ask yourself, is your heart really open and hungry for Holy Spirit to write on you? Because sadly, I find a lot of times Christians just kind of come to church, sing a few songs, barely listen to a message, and leave. And they're not transformed, and they never opened up their heart for Holy Spirit to write on it. I don't want to become so mature in Christ that my heart isn't a blank page for the Holy Spirit to write on, amen? So that's kind of where I'm at. I want to have an open heart. I want Holy Spirit to speak to my heart. Anywho, that went over real well. <laughs> Verse 4, let's just keep reading. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency is coming from God who has made us sufficient for what purpose? To be ministers of a new covenant. We just celebrated that in communion. Not by the letter of the law, but by the spirit. And listen to what Paul says. The letter kills, the spirit gives life. Now here's the deal. I, I had started to write a whole other sermon just on this one paragraph, but it's not where I felt like we needed to go. So we don't have time to unpack this whole thing. Maybe do it for homework. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just really see what the Apostle Paul is teaching. What we can draw out of that is he's saying life in the Holy Spirit is far better than religion by the letter of the law. And so often we love religion, we love rules, but he's saying, no, no, you really need to love the Holy Spirit. Because you can't live by the letter of law, you have to live by the Spirit. 
And the Spirit will lead you in righteousness. The Spirit will lead you in holiness. You can't live. There's so much more freedom living by the Spirit. And what does he say? If you do that, he will deposit in our hearts. He'll write in our hearts, and then it'll make us confident. And we're confident before God. And we're confident in prayer. We're confident in worship. We have this boldness. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is writing on our hearts. Sadly, too few people in the American church have any confidence or boldness in their faith because they haven't really opened up their heart for the Holy Spirit to write on them. We go to church, but we're not like wide open, Holy Spirit, write on me, transform me. So when we look at the people that are bold and confident, we're like, oh, they just must be super Christians. There's no such thing as a super Christian. Everybody that has had the same forgiveness of the Lord, everyone's received the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, you are a super Christian if you're a believer in Jesus. But some people have understood the, the, the value of walking with the Holy Spirit. And it gives them confidence, it gives them boldness. Now, of course, we have some people that fake it, some people that are just naturally bold, some people whose personalities are naturally confident, some people have arrogance. But what he's saying is, I want all the believers in Jesus to be confident and bold because the Holy Spirit makes us bold in our hearts. Which, is, which does what? It makes all of us a minister of the gospel, a minister of this new covenant. At Uncommon Church, we have this phrase that every member is a minister of the gospel. Brad is not just the pastor, I'm the only minister, our pastoral team, our elders. They're not, the, we are all ministers of the gospel in this place. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is writing on our hearts. Let's keep reading, let's jump down to verse seven. If the ministry of death, God, I can't believe he called the Jewish law the ministry of death, but if you think about it, all the animals had to be sacrificed. You could not come to God except through death. Jesus came once and for all so that we would not have to die because he lives in us. Anyway, now the ministry of death was carved in letters of stone. If that law, if the Jewish law, if what Moses brought down from Mount Sinai was so amazing that it came with such great glory that the Israelites couldn't even look at Moses' face because of his glory, which was actually that law was being brought to an end. Listen to this. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, then certainly the ministry of righteousness must far exceed that previous glory. So remember, Paul is teaching Gentiles in the Roman world to look back at our Jewish heritage, the foundation of our faith. And I, to be honest, I'm shocked that he called the Jewish law a ministry of death. But then he says, well, if you don't know, I have to remind, he, he's reminding the Gentile church that when Moses was spending time with God on the top of Mount Sinai, and when Moses brought the, the, the tablets of God's law written by the finger of God in stone, his face was glowing so much he had to wear a veil because there was so much glory in the presence of God and in the receiving of the law. They couldn't even look at Moses because his face was shining with the glory of heaven. So he covered his face so that he could give them the law. He's saying the law was so powerful that it literally transformed Moses' face. But then he flips the coin over and he says, how much greater the Holy Spirit revealing himself to each one of the believers. How much greater the power and glory that every single Christian should have when we receive the glory of God. And we, we live and we operate in walking in step with the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
All of our faces should be glowing like Moses is on Mount Sinai. There's so much more glory in the work of the Holy Spirit because he is the one who makes us from sinners into saints. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes us from orphans into adopted. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings freedom to those that are held captive. The Holy Spirit is the one that breaks off sickness and disease and fear and anxiety and depression. So there's a far greater glory in the Holy Spirit being revealed to a people than there even was in the law that made Moses' face glow. A far exceeding glory, he says. But somehow, in like the American church today, most Christians' faces every Sunday, they look, they're so full of fear and worry and regret and depression and anxiety and stress. We're worried about this life more than we are worried about the Holy Spirit riding on our hearts. Or we put such emphasis on our religion. We put such emphasis on our church, on our pastor, on, on our denomination, on, on making a celebrity out of somebody that we're more fixed on the face of man than we are fixed on the face of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. I just wonder what would happen if a people of God would be li living so connected to the Holy Spirit that the ministry of the Spirit would write on our hearts that a whole church's faces would glow more than that of Moses on Mount Sinai. Because the Apostle Paul said it's a greater measure of glory. The world is in such a mess. The world is in such darkness. I'm telling you, I think God wants the church to be so full of the glory and power of the Holy Spirit that we would shine a light in the darkness and bring hope wherever we go. But spirit-filled believers, we should have hearts that are so full of hope. We are the hope bringers into every room we walk into. You, you carry hope that other people don't have. You should turn that frown upside down because you look like you got baptized in vinegar. You should be baptized in the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll jump down to, I don't know, verse 12. Since we have this hope, we have become very bold. The Holy Spirit should not only make you glow, it should make you confident and bold. It should fill you with so much hope in a hopeless world that, that you, you bring, you, you change the atmosphere of whatever room you, ever been in a party or a room or a gathering or work or school and somebody walks into the room and like all of a sudden everybody's nervous and everybody's depressed and everybody's anxious and everybody starts looking at their shoes and other people walk into the room and it's like sunshine and light and life came into the room. That's the way it should be every time a believer walks into the room. You should bring such joy and hope because of the boldness and the confidence the Holy Spirit is breathing through you. Ask yourself, how much boldness do you really have? Are you bold because of the Holy Spirit in you? Or are you bold because I go to this church and this is my pastor and I like this translation of the Bible. I go to this small group. Does your, what does your boldness come from in life? Because it should be coming from the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. That fullness, that glory, the greater glory on the inside of you. Let's skip down to verse 17. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. By the way, did you see that he said that the Lord Jesus is the Spirit of God? Jesus is the Spirit. The Lord is the Spirit. So it's not in the flesh but it is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and he lives on the inside of you. God put his spirit on the inside of you. Sadly, for most Christians, he stays locked up on the inside. Do you know the Holy Spirit wants to get out? He wants to get out on your family at Thanksgiving. He wants to get out at work. He wants to get out at school. He wants to get out and minister to people through you. We're like, thank you, Holy Spirit, I receive you. And then we keep him hidden in a jar our whole lives. He's in you to get out of you. You should be more like a river than a dam. And that brings freedom. 
Freedom from sin, freedom from fear, freedom from depression, freedom from sickness, freedom from religion, freedom from addiction. It's because of the spirit of Jesus living on the inside of you. The funny thing about the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is good, but we kind of want something tangible. It's like we want to we touch him, but we can't. It's like, yeah, I love the wind, but I can't see the wind. I can't touch the wind. I like gravity. It keeps me grounded, but I, I can't see gravity. Let me ask you this question. Would you rather have a life lived full of the Holy Spirit or imagine if you could go back in time 2,000 years ago to Israel and for one month you could walk hand in hand. You could walk with Jesus and the disciples. You could sit and listen to him teach. You could watch him walk on water. You could watch him raise the dead. You could watch him cast out devils. You could watch Jesus do Jesus. I think most of us would pick walking with Jesus for a month over walking with the Holy Spirit forever because we find it easier to relate with Jesus because he was a person. He was real, I'm a person. He was on the earth, it's tangible, it's something I can touch. A lot of us can relate to God as a father because we had fathers and we understand how that works so we can, we can make the connection to see God as father. But when we get to Holy Spirit, we're like, yeah, I don't know what to do with that guy. And we have a hard time making a, a need, a real need, tangible if you can't see him or feel him. Haley Braun, I was reading her book on the Holy Ghost, which I highly recommend you read. She gives the example, her illustration is like this. And she said, imagine if you, you go to somebody's house and you get there and you have a physical need. It's like, wow, I'm really thirsty and parched. So you have boldness, you have confidence. And you say, Matt, please have a glass of water. Oh, of course, glass of water, here you go. It's easy, it's physical. I, I can express that need and receive in that area. However, what if you really, really needed something emotionally. You needed a hug. You needed to sit and cry and just share what happened in your heart. And it's not physical, it's emotional, it's unseen, but we have a really hard time walking into somebody's house and being like, can I just have a hug? Right, fellas? <laughs> was the last time you, never is the answer, never. <laughs> because it's easier to put our faith in something that's tangible than intangible. We know how to express something that's physical. We're, we're a physical being. We need to learn to be more of a spiritual being and express things spiritually because you're not gonna be able to physically touch the Holy Spirit's power on the earth, but that power at work in your life is far greater than the law that Moses received on Mount Sinai that made his face glow. That's how the Holy Spirit works. It's easy to trust in a pastor. It's easy to trust in a church or a ministry. It's easy to trust in a thing, but we have to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit. Surrender to him, even when you can't physically see him. The example would be, I, I, Josie and I have been married almost 28 years. It, it is 28 years since we met. So for all these times, how many, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of hours that is, hand in hand, doing life together, living with her. I've studied her. I've watched her. I, I know what she likes. I know what she doesn't like. Well, for the most part. And I still curveballs from time to time because I have spent so much time in her presence. And if we don't fully trust and have faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's because we're not truly spending time with him and walking with him. We might be near him, we might be near other people that know him, but we are not completely dependent on our next breath and our next step depending on what the Holy Spirit does. It's like this relative that we love, we just never see him. We see him maybe at Thanksgiving or a, a wedding or a funeral, we see him at during worship once in a while, we see him at a really powerful altar call, 
But the rest of the time, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. I haven't learned to walk with the Holy Spirit all day, every day. Because I'm in control and that's tangible. I can't release control of a, of a Thursday to this unseen Holy Spirit. But walking in the Spirit, that's the last verse we read, it brings freedom. So here's the problem. When we feel like we have all this freedom walking in the Spirit, it's like, I can do anything. I can walk through walls. I'm amazing. And in the church in Galatia, if you flip over, we're going to jump to the Galatians church, they had invited sin back in. And many of the Gentiles were doing two things. One, they were either picking up Jewish law and trying to live by Jewish law because it's something they could touch, or two, they started bringing in sin, sexual sin, immorality, uh, drunkenness, anger, and the list goes on. But we have to learn to embrace the Holy Spirit instead of the things, because it's the Holy Spirit that brings freedom in our lives. Amen? How does that come? Go ahead and scroll up a little bit and give me that verse. Paul tells them in verse 13, he said, you were called to freedom, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity to serve the flesh. Just because you're free doesn't mean you can still sin. Your freedom should lead you into righteousness. Skip down to verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. Other translations say, walk in step with the Spirit, and then you will not gratify the desire of your flesh. Sometimes when Christians do sinful things, we're like, I don't know how that happened. Because the flesh be doing fleshy things from time to time. Even for Christians. Paul was writing this to the church. Even for Christians, sometimes the flesh be doing flesh. So we need to learn to do what? Walk in step with the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Worship in the Spirit. Inviting the Holy Spirit into every area of our life. You're struggling with sin? Invite Holy Spirit into that area of your life. You're struggling with addiction? Invite Holy Spirit into that area. Try, new and improved, walking with Holy Spirit. Let me give an example. Uh, ben, you'll do. Uh, run up here. We, this is not prompted. I just want you to walk from one side of the stage to the other. Can I borrow your phone, by the way? I saw you stick it in your pocket. So just, we're going to walk, and I'm going to walk and step with you from one side of the stage to the other. You ready? <laughs> oh, yeah, I got to. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> oh. That's what most Christians do. Wait right there. Well, like, I'm totally in step with the Holy Spirit, but we never look at him. We never pay attention to him. And then every once in a while, it's like a Sunday, and we're like, oh, crap, I got to keep up. Let's try that again. Just same thing, walk backwards, ready? Right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, 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 That's how we live a spirit-filled life that is walking in step with the Spirit. Our eyes are not on this world. Our eyes are fixed on Holy Spirit. Our eyes are fixed on Holy Spirit. I want to go where you're going. I want to walk in step with you. I'm going to study you. I'm going to learn you. That's how you walk in step with somebody. You've got to study them. You've got to do it. And the longer you walk, the more faith, the more boldness, the more glory is developed in your life. Amen? You're never going to walk in step with somebody that you're not paying attention to. You've got to learn them. You've got to know their pace. You've got to know their rhythm. You've got to walk hand in hand. That's why Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right here, right next to me, right at my hand. I'm watching Holy Spirit, and I'm, I'm studying your every move. 
Because too often we would say, oh man, if I could walk with Jesus, then I would be hand in hand. That's what the disciples said. They're like, how lucky are we for these three years to get to walk with Jesus? But then Jesus himself said that walking with the Holy Spirit is better than walking with Jesus. Does that not melt your face off? Jesus himself said, John chapter 16, he's telling the disciples, hey guys, soon, going back to heaven, gonna leave here alone. So the guys are sad. Now I'm gonna go to the one who sent me, but none of you is asking, hey, where are you going? But because I have said these things, your hearts are now filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Jesus said this, red letters in your Bible. It is to your advantage that I go, for if I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I do go, I'm going to send him. So it's like the disciples were so sad to hear that Jesus was returning to heaven, but Jesus himself said, dude, you are far better off without me and having my Holy Spirit than with me here on the earth. Because Jesus understood the value of walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that the church would never see signs and wonders and miracles apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that the gospel would not go to the nations apart from the Holy Spirit. He said, I have to return to my throne in heaven, but then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to empower you. And he called him the comforter to comfort you. And sadly, so many Christians today have a very low value for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to learn to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, having a full measure of the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean you have a lesser measure of the Son. You do understand the fact that the Holy Spirit is God. The three are one. You want more Jesus? Embrace the Spirit. You need more of the love of the Father? Embrace the Spirit. You need more of God's comfort? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. Funny thing about Jesus calling the Holy Spirit the comforter. Remember when a toddler, like a two, three, four, five-year-old, they're learning things. They're learning to walk, and then they're learning to run, and then they're learning to climb, and they're learning to jump, and learning to ride a bike, and learning to just go do great big adventurous things. But if you've ever had a little one, they'll try something amazing, and then they look for mom and dad. And then they'll see you, and they'll run back, and they come up for a snuggle, like, hey, buddy, you did it. You rode the bike. You did the thing. You jumped off the thing. Good job. And they're like, did you see it? Let me go do it again. And because they've been comforted, they feel bold and confident to go try something new. That's the way the Christian life needs to be lived. You return to the comfort of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wraps his, the Father's arms of love around you. Big brother Jesus is like, dude, come on, go do it again. I was so proud of you. That was amazing. And you're like, you think I can do it? Because you have received comfort from the Holy Spirit, you feel emboldened to go try new things for God. Just return back. That's what worship is, is being built up in the comforter, being built up in the Holy Spirit. That's what altar ministry is. That's what you locking yourself away in your prayer closet at home is, is spending time with the Holy Spirit, spending time with the comforter. And you can't do that once a week on a Sunday. It has to be all day, every day. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you guys here in a minute. We need to be like little children that are learning something new about Holy Spirit all the time. If the Holy Spirit is God, then there's always something about God to learn. We're never going to exhaust you know, how old we are or how much we study or how much we do. We're always going to be learning new things about God. Well, how do you teach a child something? How do, how do you teach a child to speak? You speak and then they, they mimic you. You listen and then you repeat. So our hearing will build faith so that we can do something. So you teach a disciple, you teach a Christian 
to grow in faith by speaking faith over them. And I'll say this, you can't hear spirit-filled preaching of faith in a church that doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't have faith for miracles if you're in a church that doesn't believe and give testimonies about miracles. So where you go to church matters. You don't like this church because you don't like the preacher because he's a guy from the Northeast who's obnoxious? Fine. That was way too quick of an amen. But just because you don't want to go here doesn't mean you can go to a church that doesn't believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Where you go to church matters. The well that you drink from matters. The voices that you're listening to matter. Josie's not here today. She's in uh, Plymouth, England. She spoke at a women's conference yesterday. British children speak with a British accent because they hear it from their parents and then they mimic it and they learn it. Kids from Alabama speak with that drawl because they've studied mom and dad. We will repeat what we've heard. So what we're listening to will develop how we speak. So you're never going to speak faith for miracles if you're not around people that are speaking about what the miracles that God has done. And it's going to build what? Faith and boldness as you walk in step with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself with the disciples. He's like, you know what? At a certain point, I think these disciples are ready to go out and try a few mission trips. So he sent them out. But he didn't send them out until he had first spent some time demonstrating what was available when you bring heaven to earth. First, they had to walk with Jesus. They learned about the kingdom. They learned about his power. And then they went out and what? They did the same thing that Jesus did. We need to study Jesus like disciples and then say, Holy Spirit, lead me to do the same things that Jesus and the disciples did. We want to learn God's heart for healing because there's so many people that need healing. But healing has been a finished work for 2,000 years. We don't have to wait on God for healing. He's waiting on us to learn how to heal. When you eat something, it nourishes your body. My cardiologist last week, he didn't yell at me, but he spoke. Nobody has spoken to me lately the way this man spoke to me. Except for all the trolls on Instagram and people that send me emails. But he said, dude, your cholesterol... I won't even tell you the number because then you'll write me a nasty email. He said, at almost 300, your cholesterol is going to kill you by the time you're 60 years old. He said, and I warn you, you're not going to have a heart attack. You're going to have a stroke because a big clump of mayonnaise is going to come flooding up into your brain. If you don't hear what I'm saying, you have to change your diet. You have to reduce your cholesterol intake because what you eat transforms your body and I think I got the message and I didn't have any eggs this week you'd be very proud of me and I didn't have any pizza until well I didn't have any pizza this week I wish Christians would be more careful about what we nourish ourselves with because what we're feeding ourselves with is transforming our spiritual bodies so spiritually speaking ask yourself What are you eating all week? And by the way, if this is the only spiritual meal you're eating, you're starving. You are emaciated spiritually if you listen to one 30-minute sermon a week. What well are you drinking from? And I said, you know, we love tangible things. So it's 
kind of hard to get in this Holy Spirit thing. Listen, I'm, the more you learn to walk with him and walk and study uh, and step with him and you study the Holy Spirit, the more you invite Holy Spirit into every area of your life, the more that you're gonna see heaven touch the earth, the more you're gonna see the Father's will be done on the earth, the more you're gonna feel, not literally tangibly, but you're gonna know and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. I remember back in the 80s, I was a kid, Benny Hinn released, I think it was his first book, and it was Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And my mom bought that book and she read it cover to cover a couple of times. It transformed our whole family because we'd get in the car and my mom would go, come Holy Spirit, we want you in the presence as we're driving to grandma's house today. We'd be in the mall, remember malls? That used to be a thing. We'd be in the mall and she'd be like, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd lead me to the very best deal, the very best place. She learned 40 years ago to invite Holy Spirit into every area of her life. I'm telling you, it's time for us to invite Holy Spirit into every aspect of our lives once again. Because what it does, it puts a personal emphasis on the Holy Spirit. He's not some spooky natural God in some distant cosmic heavenly place. He's your comforter who's been invited into your drive to work, who's been invited into your office and school day. He's been invited into you brushing your teeth. And then over time, our confidence and our faith and our boldness is going to grow because we've learned how to walk in the Holy Spirit. He's going to make us bold in our ministry. And we're going to go places we've never been before because he, he strengthens us. You know, the funny thing is we think, oh man, I got to get all prayed up. I'm going to church on Sunday. I need Holy Spirit. Yeah, you need Holy Spirit here on Sunday. You really need Holy Spirit Monday through Friday. Because all of us together are such a, a lightning rod for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You really need to learn to trust and walk in the Holy Spirit when you're by yourself. See, that's why, sadly, we think that our connection to Holy Spirit is a church thing. Terrible theology. Your connection to the Holy Spirit is a personal connection that you have to God. It's a new covenant. And you can learn to grow that or it can be a, this tiny little shriveled up thing. Imagine like this little shriveled up raisin or this giant sweet grape. Some fruit is small and some fruit is giant. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a fruit that we learn to cultivate and grow in our life. And some people have giant relationship with Holy Spirit and some people have little pathetic little shriveled up versions of the Holy Spirit living in their life and I never feel the presence of God I know because you've never acknowledged the Holy Spirit and learned to walk with him it does not come automatically the gifts of the Holy Spirit those are easy you want a gift of the Holy Spirit it's a gift unwrap it use it you want a fruit of the Holy Spirit Whew. it's gonna take some time you gotta learn to develop it you gotta learn to grow it and I'll tell you what, you can't call yourself a spirit-filled Christian and not have the fruits of the spirit cultivated in your life. I've met a lot of Pentecostal pastors that do not have the fruit of the spirit. Maybe they got it on the inside, but it surely ain't on the outside. The older we get in faith, the more of the fruit of the spirit should be evident on the outside of our lives because we're, we're cultivating the fruit of the spirit. These giant, juicy grapes full of the Holy Ghost something sweet that a bitter world needs to taste let me pray for you father in heaven I don't even know what the prayer is so Holy Spirit I pray that you would come and write on our hearts transform our lives that we would learn to intimately walk with you that we would not just make acknowledging 
the Spirit of God a Sunday thing, but that it would be a seven day a week, 24 seven, 365, that we would not be so focused on the things of this world that we're not focused on you, that we would not be so enthralled with our phones and with Netflix and with TikTok than more than we are with you. God, we wanna study you. We wanna, we wanna go where you are leading us to go. We wanna walk with you. And, and, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would put boldness and confidence in our hearts and lives, that we would grow as we cultivate the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, I just realized there might be somebody here or watching online that's not even right with the Lord. Just go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed in prayer. If you're here this morning and you're not right with God, today is your day to get right with God. If there's still sin in your life, you need to repent, ask God to forgive you, ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You need to join the family of God, then today's your day. It might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this, or maybe it's been a minute. It's the first time in a long time. I want to lead you in a prayer. I, I can't pray it for you. It has to be your faith. It has to be your prayer. But I, I can help you. If you're watching online, maybe your heart's beating out of your chest, and you're like, crud, that's me. i got to get right with God today. No more living in sin. No more living with my eyes fixed on this world. I want to live with my eyes fixed on the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today and you need to get right with God, you want to pray that prayer to repent of your sin, ask God to forgive you, surrender your life to Jesus, either for the first time or the first time in a long time. I'd like to know who I'm gonna pray for. So if that's you, would you just shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, that's me, that's my prayer. Okay, I see your hand over there, I see your hand back there. Is there anybody else? I see your hand right there in the middle. Who else? I see your hand over there on the side. Come on, somebody, shoot him up. I see your hand back over there. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, God, yeah, God. All right, YouTube, I saw five hands shoot up. People serious about getting right with God. What about you? Right there watching that screen, your heart's beating out of your chest and you know you need to get right with God. Just between you and the Lord, just raise your hand. If you believe this prayer in your heart, why don't we all pray this together? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I die to my old life so that I can live for you. I receive the gift of adoption. I receive the gift of eternal life. I receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. Teach me to walk with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, lead me. Make me bold. Make me confident. Help me to grow big and strong in Jesus' name. If you agree with that prayer, say amen. amen. Hey, for the five of you and for you at home, wow, come on somebody, I'm so proud of you. What a great day, what a great day. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Church Podcast. If this message has impacted your life, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. And for more information on our church community, you can click the link in the description or visit uncommonchurch.tv.